This is Southeast Asia Crossroads, an educational podcast from the Center for Southeast Asian Studies at Northern Illinois University. From music to maps, money and modernity, this is where ideas come together. Well, good morning and welcome to another edition of Southeast Asia Crossroads. Uh, I'm your host, Eric Jones, and with me in virtual studio is uh, Emeritus Professor Richard Cooler. Morning, Richard. How are you doing? Hi, Eric. Good morning. It's good to be here. Have a chance to talk about things I dearly love. Yeah, that's right. We uh, are, uh, I'm sure our listeners who have been hanging on every episode will remember that uh, uh, Richard... uh, was on and talked about the uh, the founding of the Center for Burma Studies, and um, we wanted to get back in uh, touch because there's uh, um, sort of, uh, as a, a favorite author of mine likes to say, the specificity is the soul of narrative. We have a, kind of a specific, really fascinating case that I think shows um, a lot of what the, maybe what the, the Center for Burma Studies uh, an institution like that can do, and 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 a kind of a particular interest, fascinating case that it has played in um, in this case, uh, kind of a uh, not just repatriating an important piece of, of of art and culture and heritage from to to Myanmar, but um, setting some precedent for um, uh, uh, art and imagery. Have you? I've seen in the news, um, Richard. There's been, uh, especially surrounding Cambodia, but. Other places, a kind of a um, a buzz of repatriation um, uh, over historical and and archaeological artifacts. Um, have you been keeping up with some of those some of those movements? Yeah. Yes, I have. Uh, there are many of them. I can't speak for all of them, but there's been a flurry of that in recent years. Certainly since the return of this image to Burma. So the 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 case that we're here to talk about is the um, the repatriation of of the Buddha. So this was in do we think taken in 1988, from best we can tell. Yes, either 1988 or 1989, there was was a spate of thefts in Burma from the ancient capital city at Pagan, and Pagan was located in the center of the country a good way from the coast or from the mountains in an area that's particularly arid. Uh, It's located on the Irrawaddy River. It's a major thoroughfare for transportation throughout the country for all time. And at this point, the river makes a turn, first flowing east to west and then north to south. And on the inside corner of the river, over a 25-square-mile area, there are the remains of no less than 2,243 religious monuments. It's awesome. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, in, um, it's one of those places that uh, you need to—one needs to go before they depart this mortal coil. Like, it— uh, <laughs> It's it's absolutely just godsmackingly um, gorgeous and 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 vast and you know th- over just thousands of temples scattered um, the kind of uh, yeah and and um, we, what what time period I mean I think this this image was do we think from it's it's about a thousand years old almost right so we're talking about uh, 
uh, Bagan um, from uh, the, the 11th century? Uh, yes, Bagan was the capital from the 11th to the 13th century. And this image comes from the reign of King Janzitha, who was the king from 1084 until 1112 AD. He was the second great king and was very instrumental in promulgating, spreading Buddhism throughout what is today Myanmar. And so one of, one of the, I know in, in some work that, that you've done that I've read, the, this particular image, it's, it's kind of inconclusive. Whether it's the Buddha, whether it's the king, some of that's maybe intended. Was this a Chakravarta sort of world-turner kind of image? I mean, what, tell us of some of the conflation that um, a monarch might have in, in confusing what, himself with the Buddha or, and, or vice versa. Well, the, this image is a standing image of the Buddha in which he makes a gesture with his hands and fingers touching each other before his chest. This is most unusual. There are only 10 or 11 of them from the reign of King Janzetha. He particularly liked these standing images. Uh, it's a, one of the only places in the entire Buddhist world that they appear. I, I was going to ask, so they're pretty rare also across Asia in general? Uh, Absolutely. The event that's being portrayed is one of three things. It is either the historical Buddha preaching his first sermon and sharing his uh, philosophy and discovery of enlightenment with all mankind for the first time. However, in all other images of the Buddha that show that event in his life, he's seated, not standing. There are images of the future Buddha, Maitreya, who preaches his first sermon. It's very important in Buddhism. Uh, however, for his first sermon, he is seated as well. And so it's very peculiar that this image shows the Buddha standing. And we know that King Janzitha was very charismatic. And in his inscriptions, particularly the one recording his uh, inauguration, he says that he will open the gates of heaven and welcome all his people in, which is exactly this kind of role the historical Buddha plays and certainly Maitreya, the Buddha of the future. Well, this is the first example in Burma of this conflation of the king with Gautama Buddha and also with the future Buddha. To do so aggrandizes the power of the king and makes him truly an exceptional human. Yeah, and I guess it's meant that um, that those <clears throat> those looking upon this image would 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 get that message as well um the now it's not what about what is the role this this image was in a uh, temple was in a cave temple um how do those in 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 bagan there are um you know obviously thousands of above ground temples but also cave temples how do what is a the function of a cave temple versus uh 
maybe one that we might be more familiar with, um, you know, rising out of the out of the plane there. Well, there are actually very few cave temples. This came from one, the name of which is Chalco Umen, which was carved into the wall of a ravine. And it affords for long corridors to be cut back into the soil behind the temple, where there are meditation cells or chambers for monks and others to meditate. Uh, it's unusual that it's a cave temple. It's one of the earliest in Pagan. It's one of the only, only temples at Pagan that has a stone facade. All the other temples are made of brick, with the exception of two. In, uh, and so part of, the, part of the story that we're going to get to is that, um, you know, the, the political uprisings in 1988 in, in, in Burma, Myanmar, um, the, the, and the chaos that ensued, do you think that uh, obviously bandits took advantage of this? This, this can't be the only victim of that kind of, um, of, 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 of that moment in time. Is that, is that right? How, how, many, how many images went missing from Myanmar do we know? in this period? Well, there are 10 that were stolen, uh, 11, including this one from the from Chauco Umen. And they're large stone images, which means that they would have had to have had an organized uh, group of people with access to a truck, like equipment, a heavy duty yeah. truck. Yeah. Maybe a uh, winch and a crane like these are not. Uh, they're not that big. Uh, what, uh, three or four men can pick one up. Okay. Uh, however, it's not anything you're going to tuck in your suitcase, and it's not anything you're going to <laughs> blithely uh, send on an airplane. Yeah, so it took some, it took some coordination. Um, uh, and this statue is about, it's a, it's a couple feet tall? I've, yes, I, it's about two and a half to three feet tall. So it's not tiny. On the other hand, it's not enormous. Janzitha did create some standing images that are 33 feet tall in <laughs> the most impressive temple in Pagan. Uh, so yeah, I've 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 been there. It's uh um it is impressive. Yeah, that's uh I didn't I didn't I didn't put two and two together that Janzitha had already had also done that one. Okay. Um, See, folks, we're all learning new stuff on this podcast. Even, even me, <laughs> as it's happening. So, uh, the that it's missing would would take it on a journey from. Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, from from Bagan, Bangkok, San Francisco, uh, New York, to Kalb, uh, and back to back to Myanmar. Have I missed any places that this uh, that the Buddha traveled um, in between? Yes, it, it went from the Kalb back to Paris. Okay, and went through France before it got back to Burma again. Yeah, with uh, with uh, with lots of twists and turns that we're going to want to talk about. Um, so the and involved uh, along the way, um, you know the the FBI uh, precedents, uh, not against you, but <laughs> on your behalf, uh, a precedent setting lawsuit. Um, and so yeah, let's let's get into some of that. Now you you actually saw. Before it was taken, you saw it in C2, right? You saw this in the 70s? 
Is that right? Yes. I was in Burma studying Pagan for a year from 1973 to 74. And the site's so overwhelming that one way to deal with it was to go with the assistant director of the archaeological survey on his daily rounds, which he went to take care of the monuments to see if they were in good shape and also to direct and manage repair of various temples. So I got a chance to cover a lot of the site, but this temple we went to at least twice while I was there. Uh, and the images inside were still as situ in their niches. And so when does it, and, and, you know, meanwhile, you're, you're, uh, founding the Center for Roma Studies, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, uh, how does it, how does it crop up on your radar? We know that it, 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 it's listed in 91 for sale at, at Sotheby's. It, when did, when did it first come to your attention? Well, I, I had received the catalog for the Sotheby's uh, sale, and I saw the image, and when I s looked at it in the catalog, I said, I think I've seen this image before. It must be stolen. How, however, I did nothing more about it at that time. However, in 1994, I received a telephone call from the U.S. Attorney's Office in New York asking me if I knew about this image and would I undertake an attempt to establish that it had come from Burma and investigate any photographs, statements, etc., that may indicate its exact location there and when it was last seen. So to, to give it a provenance that, that they could... Uh, absolutely, to, to establish a provenance for ownership. Uh -huh. Did How did they tell you, how did it, um, how did they start um, on the case? Like it was in a, a tip or did they... They had had an anonymous tip and had impounded the image three years earlier. Uh, however, had so it not didn't, made... So it didn't go up for any... sale? It it didn't no. actually, yeah. No. Uh, and they had not made any particularly uh, uh, progress in pursuing the case in those three years. And then they gave me a call. And um, so had the, had the Myanmar government been, been informed? Obviously, obviously they're, inter they're interested in probably having their um, cultural heritage back. What was, uh, you had, uh, you have, contacts and friends and others in, uh, in Myanmar. Did you hear from them about, uh, about this Buddha? What, uh, what did they have to say about it? No, I, I had no contact with them about this image. Uh, later in the development of its return, I'm in contact with the Burmese ambassador to the U.S. Uh, and when I give him a call, about the image and find that uh, he's not particularly interested in pursuing the case to have it returned. Uh, and my I'm kind of I'm kind of continue... surprised by that, right? Were you surprised by that? Uh, yes. However, in discussion since then with uh, lawyers and legal authorities, 
most countries are loath to get into international lawsuits with other countries. Okay. Because other issues can be entered evidently on the docket. And <laughs> okay. having begun a case about one thing, it may then grow into one about a lots of other things. Uh, right. At a particular time and, of strained U.S., Myanmar, Burma relations is... Uh... Yes, that was also a consideration. Uh, I kept uh, talking with the ambassador after his declining continuing with the case. Uh, and we struck a deal. And that is if uh, I continued with the case on behalf of the country of Burma, along with my graduate student, Jack Dalton, who happened to be a lawyer specializing in art and entertainment law, uh, and we were successful, we would then uh, be allowed to exhibit the image for one year at our museum here at the university. So that's so th that was our agreement. So um, say a bit about uh, about Jack Dalton. Um, that was that's pretty that's a pretty good spot of luck that uh, a grad student happens to be a a lawyer who specializes in. <laughs> did you did you engineer that or? <laughs> no, I didn't. Actually, he'd been my graduate student for a couple of years uh, before that, and it was just fortuitous that all this happened at the time when he was here. What, what were? He, he, go ahead. He was with a major law, uh, art and entertainment firm in Chicago, and so he was working there at the same time he was a graduate student here at Northern. And what was, what were his impressions? Obviously, you approach it from the sort of um, art history heritage side. Uh, what were his, what were his kind of first thoughts when he, when he started digging into it? He first had to receive an agreement from the law firm he worked with okay. that he could pursue the case. They agreed that he could do this pro bono. However, we would have to raise $20,000 to cover uh, court costs, not legal or lawyer fees, but court costs. Wow. And that we'd have to cover all the expenses involved in the, in the case personal expenses ourselves. And this was not insignificant, particularly since for me to write the statement that the state's attorney in New York requested that I did, did they offer their did they offer their assistance? Are they the one requesting it? Where how did that work? Um, they weren't gonna cover no, the court they, fees? No. Uh, I wrote the statement and presented it to them, and I thought they then would continue with the case. I was told that no, they couldn't do that. It was only Burma that could continue with the case. And it's at that time I called the uh, Burmese ambassador in Washington okay. and talked with him. So then Jack and I decide to pursue the case. He gets the agreement from. Uh, uh, his firm in Chicago. I've already had to make one trip to New York to actually see the image since my statement would not be 
accepted as legal evidence if I hadn't actually seen the image and examined it. Uh, Jack decided that he would pursue the legal side of the case. I decided that since the image was broken through the shins and that the image as it was presented for sale was mounted without the lower part, the lower part of the shins and the feet, that I would go to Burma and see if I couldn't find the lower third of the image. And if I could do that, surely that would be persuasive in a case for establishing who actually owned the image. Almost in a, like a on a forensic like look these these <laughs> these pieces fit uh, right um, right and who... Jack decided to pursue the case as an interpleader uh, case, which means that uh, the two parties involved present the evidence to support their case to a judge and the judge then makes the decision about who is the rightful owner. So this was a, this uh, so was a civil was, this was brought as a civil a criminal case first and then a civil or no it was only a civil case. It was not a case to establish who the thief was, but instead to establish who actually owned the image. We had found out that the image had been put up for sale by Richard Duran who was an antique dealer in San Francisco. Uh, Jack was in touch with, with him through his lawyer and requested that he relinquish claims to the image. He refused to do so even when he was presented with my statement about its provenance. In the meantime, well, I then left for Burma. In the meantime, Jack ran a uh, legal background check on Richard Duran and found that he had been accused, charged, tried, and found guilty previously for the illegal international trafficking in antiquities. That doesn't, that doesn't sound had, good. No, he had also been charged. Uh, tried and found guilty for the international trafficking in, in illegal drugs. And he had also been charged, <laughs> why, why not? tried, yeah. and found guilty for the international trafficking in child pornography. Oh. So he's a really nice, nice guy. Uh, he's so, like a Bond villain. <laughs> right. So Jack decided to have a uh, news conference in New York while he was there on business and in and made it a point to invite reporters from the newspapers in San Francisco to come hoping that they would run article an article about the image itself to put some to put some pressure absolutely yeah uh, and once he did that, the next day he received, after the articles were published, uh, one of them in the Christian Science Monitor, uh, the next day he received a message from Richard Duran's lawyer 
that Duran was relinquishing his claims to the image so that wow. in the end, we didn't have to pursue the case through the courts, which could have gone on forever um, because it could have been appealed from uh, New York to Europe. It could have retrogressively, at least theoretically, gone back to being tried in Thailand or even in Burma. Um, so in the beginning, we decided this was going to be a one-shot attempt, and it worked. And without an enormous expense of funds. Yeah, you, I mean, and that's something you don't think about. You just think about uh, the kind of the I'm, you know, you'll pardon the reference, but I'm like, you know, imagining in your Indiana Jones moment, like this belongs in a museum, sort of. Uh, <laughs> forgetting the fact that Indiana Jones was, of course, a, a terrible archaeologist who stole things all the time from places he was at. But never mind that. But uh, the but you, you don't realize that the the um, the minutia behind um, the legal part of it, the 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 details involved of it's not just as simply as like, well, just just bring it back. It could it could involve um, costs that are more than the image itself. If you if one were to buy it on auction, or well, that's absolutely the case. Uh, after it was on display here in the NIU Art Museum for a year, I made repeated attempts to return it to Burma. I uh, investigated uh, shipping it, which is very expensive and would have been oh, somewhere between eight and $10,000 because it would have to be especially special, crazy. Yeah. It would have to have special papers. There's no direct flight between the U.S. and Burma so that if you sent it by air, every time it changed planes, the crate would have to be taken off the plane, opened with local authorities on hand yeah. to observe what was in the case and verify that what was described in the papers was exactly what was there, which meant that it would first have to fly to San Francisco, and there you'd have to have uh, law enforcement officials two or three of them, spend an entire day waiting for the plane to arrive uh, and open the box and close it again. It would then fly from there either to Hong Kong or perhaps through Hong Kong and go to Bangkok and have the same thing done again. And then finally uh. up here in uh, Burma. Well, I investigated this in to see if I could actually accompany the, the image. Uh, one of my, uh, one of these students, he wasn't one of my students, but a Thai student here who worked for Thai International said, well, you know, the, the way to do this much less expensively, since it is fairly small, is for you to take it on board with you. And if you get a first class ticket <laughs> in, uh, a Thai international flight, you can then put it in the closet at the top of the stairs and you book the seat right across from the closet. So you can see if the closet right. is ever open during the entire flight. Well, I to, to do that meant that I had to get 
exactly that seat on exactly the right flight. So I wrote to the various authorities in Burma and told them I needed at least six months advance notice as when I should make my arrangements and when I might appear in Yangon. To this day, I still have not received any replies. Uh, so consequently, even though I made repeated attempts during this period of time between 1995 and 2001, I found it impossible to read turn the image. Uh, a lot of it, or all of it, I contribute to the, the uh, what, frayed conditions in the relations between the US and Myanmar or Burma at that time. And so there was no sort of cooperation. And I just presupposed that members of the Burmese government didn't want to be the one to say, yes, we'll cooperate with uh, yeah. Americans to bring this image back to Burma. And then that, then that would raise questions is, well, what is this really all about? Uh, when, so when you were doing, the time, oh, go ahead. So by the time I retired in 2001, the image was still very safely secreted away here on campus. I was the only person who knew where that image was. It was in a wooden case. It was chained to the uh, steel upright of one of the buildings on campus behind three different locked doors, the last of which I was the only person who had a key to. Uh, so anyway, I wanted to make sure that it was uh, would not disappear for yet a second time. When you, um, yeah, I love that, and we're and you know for our listeners, uh, we're going to have a little. Uh, there's going to be a part two to this episode. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna follow it follow it uh, on its on its journey back. When you went to do um, the initial sort of uh, to see to prove that it had been taken by by looking at the the existing shins and legs. Um, uh, in the cave, were they were they in the cave? They were still in the cave. Had those been removed, or and, and I guess, and also, what was the 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 government of Myanmar was? Were they were they happy to hear what you were up to? Were they did they care? What what? How did that factor in? Uh, I found it really rather easy to find the lower third of the image because Saya Uongjain who was the director of the archaeological service at Pagan by the time I returned, was actually a very good friend. And I spent my year there of, of what, 15 years earlier, almost daily with him when he would make his rounds caring for the monuments. He is very precise, very meticulous of very much committed to performing all his duties. And after the thefts, he had removed all the images from the temples and with uh, international funds had made uh, plaster replicas of those images, which were then uh, painted in such a way that they, they looked quite old and had them put back into the temples. 
uh, the temples are dim. And unless you examine those images very carefully, you don't right. realize they're right. actually made of plaster and not of sandstone. So he had taken the feet of this image and put it in one of their warehouses. So we quickly went and took it out. And there's a video of he and I examining the lower third of the image. And uh, um, what what's the, I guess, in a, in a perfect world, you would obviously not want to disturb at all an archaeological site or, or, or an art object. And, and um, but in, in the real world, um, you might need, if you want to um, protect that object, you might need to, to take it. I mean, is that, was that a, was that a tough decision for someone as meticulous as, as your colleague to, to, to decide on? No, I don't think so. He was very much interested in uh, protecting and safeguarding. Not having bandits. The images of Pagan. That's right. And uh, international funds were made available to make copies of the images. And therefore, visiting the temples was not uh, affected. Your experience wouldn't be diminished by yet. the removal of the images. No. Did the did the have you talked to local Burmese? Do they have feelings about or in um, for Buddhist about the efficacy of of a copy versus the original? Like, uh, is there a discourse? There must be, right, about that. If they are, I haven't engaged in that, and I have haven't heard them. Yeah. Express uh, their feelings. It, it's a fait accompli. And if you didn't have previous knowledge that the images had been replaced, you wouldn't be aware of it. One of the, one of the interesting um, outcomes that you alluded to in the, uh, um, out, of, out of this, out of the work that you and Jack Dalton did, was the, uh, some of the precedent that was set for um, litigation for related to international transport and especially using... Um, um, interpleader procedure. Um, so that, 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 tell us a bit about that. Uh, did, did you guys know you were setting precedent when that happened or it just seemed like the, the best approach? Jack did that. It was all also the most expedient way to deal with this so that it would not result in a jury trial. And both of us have to go to New York and spend a considerable amount of time and money. Uh, if it was a jury trial. Yes. Uh, so that led in part to the decision. And he thought it would just be more effective. And indeed, well, we'd like to say it was, but we settled out of court. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess the, insettle- the settlement, did it entail... Um, uh, obviously relinquishing ownership. Um, did, uh, did he, did he admit, did you ever, did you ever find out, did he ever come clean about how he got it? Did he ever say what was his uh, story? No. no. Uh, in one of his last messages through his lawyer, he wanted the Burmese government to send him a statement thanking him for his assistance in returning the image. Uh, <laughs> really? Curiously enough. 
and he has now he has now fled the country and lives in exile in Bangkok. Uh, uh, wow. He was never sentenced, to my knowledge, in his previous crimes, and so he's still, quote-unquote, at large in Bangkok. Lurking around Bangkok, yeah. Um, but the, the has, has this case, uh, I, the strategy of the interpleader procedure, I guess it also means that um, it's hopeful for the fate of antiquities, because it is... It, it's quicker. It's going to be cheaper. It's uh, has has it been used um, subsequently um, a, lo- a lot in the in in that field. I, I really can't speak to that because uh, the the cases when they're reported usually don't carry that kind of detail. Right. Right. Yeah, we have to. We'll have to get Jack on sometime. Is he still around? Is he still in the area? Uh, no, he's on the west coast. Okay. He's smartened up. I mean, I, this is this is my bitterness talking from negative eleven degree weather here that we're experiencing. <laughs> <laughs> After the image was no longer on display in the NIE Art Museum, as I have stated, it was secreted away by myself, and I did not let anyone know where the image was located. It's like the Ark of the Covenant. Sorry to go to the Indiana Jones references again. It's <laughs> locked away in a secret government archive, Richard. is. Uh... Yes, and so when we interviewed the candidates to uh, be hired to fill my position after my retirement, I made no, no mention of this image, and I certainly didn't <laughs> take them to show them the image so that my successor, Professor Catherine Raymond, was very surprised after she arrived on <laughs> campus to find that we had this uh, orphaned image here that needed to be shown its way home. Uh, and But she took on the challenge without complaint and, uh, as you will see, was successful after a number of clever attempts. Yeah, well, that's a perfect teaser, Richard, to um, to part two of this. So, will you join us when we when we have Catherine on to talk about uh, uh, the return of the image, and then um, and then a bit about the the Contemporary Center for Roman Studies? I'll be glad to. Yeah, th- thanks so much. Thanks so much, and again, um, check in check in on uh, Richard's earlier episode uh, if you want to hear stories about. Um, glass windows in Burmese automobiles and uh, uh, Richard in his white legs uh, get, getting getting teased at Bagan. There's a, there's, there's, there's something for everyone, I think. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks so much, Dr. Cooler. We'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Eric.